Greetings. Welcome to the Asana Kitchen podcast. I'm David Garig. And before we get started, just want to let you know about my upcoming course that I have. It's called Practical Practice Talks. So it's a series of talks on Sundays, March 7th to May 9th from 10 a.m. at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can attend it live or watch a recording. And so the idea is, um, for one, to draw on my own 30 years plus of practice of like what works for me and what kind of common problems come up and how do I solve them. And there's such themes as like um, how to breathe better is one um, title. So we'll go all into the practicalities of the breath and like when to modify or to use props and um, how to master a series and how to master a pose. Okay, and I will also open the door to you to write to me during the week before with your own uh, questions about the upcoming talk and I will try to incorporate those, your, your practical concerns into my talk. So, so the idea is that you get some real practical input into your practice. Okay, and so you can find out about that at my website, uh, davidgreig.com. It's $115. And I uh, hope you decide to join me. Okay, so today's, uh, or this month's theme is faith. And what I am kind of uh, going a little journey of faith in practice with you. And I would say for me, I feel like th that faith is the number one motivator when it comes down to it. Uh, that of, of all the things that, that keep getting me onto my mat, it's this, um, this idea of uh, devotion and uh, trust in the ultimate uh, benefit of practice. But what's curious about it is that faith is uh, elusive. Even after 30 years of practice, it's still something I battle with, battle to, to have, like a strong faith. And it's not something you either have or don't have. It's something that you're kind of continually cultivating or building or working to, to express. And to me, the success of your ability to, to build faith determines the success of you getting on your mat and um, doing that daily discipline. So in the dictionary, faith is, in one sense, it's just trust. That's um, one of the definitions of faith, trust. But, um, but more uh, kind of specifically, it's also a strong belief in God or the doctrines of a religion. Um, that, and that strong belief is based on um, kind of a, a spiritual apprehension or a spiritual understanding rather than proof. And in the Bible, I have this uh, definition of faith. Um, it comes from Hebrew 1.11, and it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So the assurance of things hoped for. And, and also the conviction of things not seen. Okay, and this is a really important part of, of faith, is that, that um, so rather than proof, like, um, like you can get in this visible world, um, faith is pertaining to the invisible realm or the spiritual realm that's, that's intangible and, and ultimately 
not provable empirically. And so, and this is one of the, the challenges of faith. And so um, it says by, and then further after it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of thing, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the world was created by the word of God. Um, so that what is seen, what is seen, so all of this that we see, that we sense with our senses, the material world, um, was not made out of things that are visible. Okay, so there's an invisible, sacred source to everything. And in that way, then, you come, you're in a meaningful universe. So all of your actions, uh, they have a, a context, an and in yoga, we call it karma, meaning that there's cause and effect and that the, when you act, there's consequences from that act in a kind of very global, uh, universal way. So there's a cosmic justice, which is very different than if you just are randomly placed here in a kind of meaningless uh, physical world and where your actions really only matter in terms of, like, you don't necessarily, right, that the, your, the consequence of your action in a, in a human sense, it, it, you might be subject to human justice or you might not, depending on the circumstances. And yet, in, in a cosmic sense, every action is accounted for. And the universe, then, is, is one cohesive whole of which everything in it is an inextricable part including us, and, and, and yet our consciousness and our ego uh, is able to, to, we're, it's one of the, you could say, shadow aspects of being conscious is that we can feel separate from or alienated and um, like not part of this, even though that from the spiritual perspective, that's an impossibility. And so every action that we take um, affects the entirety because we are part of the entirety. And this is, it gets very large very fast, but it's, it's also, um, it applies to the very smallest things that we do in practice all the way to the largest. And so in this very basic way, uh, we need to have faith that the practice is doing something good for us. Okay, so it is darned challenging to have a, uh, to be established in a discipline, a daily thing where we, we set aside time every day to do this very hard uh, thing, physically hard, mentally hard. And, um, and so to dedicate your life to that, it, it, it means you've got to think that this is going to benefit me. This is benefiting me. And to me, I break those benefits down into three possibilities. Okay, and, and my feeling is you, you need all three possibilities. And first is just physical. Okay, so we do the Hatha Yoga to have a healthy body, to, to move better and to feel better in our bodies, to be stronger and more flexible. Okay, and, um, and so, so partly then faith is faith that us practicing gives us that health, right? Physical well-being. And then um, 
The second is mental well-being. Okay, so that yoga is a science of the mind. And it's a kind of, you can say that it's a deep study of, or like even yoga is kind of a manual to how to operate your mind and um, how to avoid many of the, the pitfalls of the mind. So the mind can cause, it, there's an amazing book called Mind as Healer, Mind as Slayer. Okay? And so the way that we think and the way that we perceive can deeply influence um, our happiness and our sense of peace and what we're doing here. And so, and yoga helps you to study the mind and to uh, learn to operate it, basically. So you do yoga simply to get some control over your mind. And even if it just means to focus more and to um, be able to sustain yourself in the present moment and not get distracted, okay? And so you're, that's one of the things you're expecting when you practice um, every day. And, and so faith is partly trust that your, your, your practice is going to deliver that. Okay, and then last is this, the, the more bigger one that, that like the, the dictionary is saying. So it's this belief in God um, based on a spiritual understanding. So kind of this um, intuitive, deep internal experience of the, the sacred dimension of your life um, and rather than, than proof. And so all of these things um, play into faith. And the word in Sanskrit is um, shraddha, means, and it means faith or, or trust. And there's a few things about this. Okay, so one is the, the I, I want to go back to that dictionary definition for a minute. So it has two tricky words in it. One is strong belief. Okay, so there's a belief in God, and then rather than proof. Okay, and... I want to talk to you about that, but I also want to enter, enter this one uh, other point in it. The fact, the fact that you, you can't get empirical proof of God, right, and the existence of, uh, that you live in a meaningful universe, right? It, it means, in, in um, Christianity, they actually call it the venture of faith, okay, so that it, to have faith is it requires a, a venture or an ad uh, an adventure, okay? It's a it's like a leaping off into the unknown. You, like you can't have a certainty about it because it's not empirical. It's not faith doesn't work like you you understanding the spiritual dimension of your life and life itself isn't as easy as two plus two equals four. Okay, and, and in fact, they, in, in Indian mythology, they make a big point out of um, emphasizing that though there is cosmic justice in the world, right, that this is all operating under, that every action has its fitting consequence, you cannot always see that working. Okay, and we know that. When you look around the world, you see that you can see that there's injustice, there's corruption, there's violence, there's um, all these systemic and um, chronic ongoing problems that, right? We don't live in an idyllic world where you get 100% assurance that there is this spiritual dimension 
You see, and, and so, and, and it, it actually works even more uh, like w this in practice because, because what's, what's really strange is if you notice what happens, we often don't even get proof of the physical benefit of practice or the mental benefit, right? That often when we practice, we actually hurt ourselves. So, and we're constantly kind of um, dodging pains and strains and um, encountering these physical hardships that constantly call into question, is this really good for me, like doing this? Because it, my back hurts or my knee is hurting. And, um, and mentally too, like when we practice, like the very process of practicing, it doesn't immediately bring up well-being for us. In fact, it, quite the opposite a lot of the time, like afflictions come up. Like what we see is our, our anger and our envy and our jealousy and our inadequacy. And uh, so much um, anguish is coming when we practice. And, and so here we are then returning day after day. And so, and it takes this, um, this belief without this kind of rational step-by-step -step proof um, day to day. It's a, it's a venture of faith and, and venture means a, a risky or daring journey or undertaking. Okay. And, and so, um, and, or, and it says to dare to do something or go somewhere that might be unpleasant or dangerous. You see, and, and the curious thing about this idea is that you could say the venture of life. Okay. So that life itself is a venture. It's a risky or daring journey or undertaking and that, and it can be unpleasant or dangerous. Okay, then there's no escaping that, that we're, the, it, it's, in, it's amazing what a predicament the, a living being has being in this world, right? That incredible uh, minefield of obstacles that, uh, that you deal with from birth to death, right? Just as a part of being alive and, and amidst this, this constant change and um, this constant need to adapt and grow and uh, keep working f to be strong and, um, and find balance amongst this uh, kind of amazing situation we find ourselves in, right? And so faith is a, a little bit, it, it takes, it's like a conscious stance towards all the uncertainty or the, the venture of life. It's like to say that, that there's, an, there's meaning behind it and that there, that I'm on this uh, kind of spiritual journey. And so that like to choose not to uh, say, even from a physical standpoint, so to choose not to exercise would, is its own risk, right? And you can see that our own country is a, a kind of model in the unsuccessful results of that, that we are two thirds obese, you've got hospitals full of all kinds of um, diseases that are related to uh, lifestyle, to, to uh, diet and um, inactivity and things. And, and so, so, yes, when we go into yoga, there's physical danger when you're working to stretch your hamstrings and bend your back and do lotus and these things. And, and then also, it's a curious thing about the, uh, our nature our, that when we turn our, our attention and our energy to something, we tend to make a mess of it, 
just by the nature of getting into it, right? So we, we kind of apply our flawed methodology, our flawed intentions and our flawed uh, desires and things don't turn out um, perfectly, right? We make mistakes along the way that, that test our faith, okay? And, but ultimately, to keep practicing, the, the faith element has to win out. Like, we have to keep uh, building trust in the things that we're doing and then backing up our actions so that what we are doing is worthy of trust. Whoo. Okay, so I'm going to read you a few poems that kind of uh, speak to some of these themes that I'm, that I'm talking to you about. And, and just, I'm just trying to get you to acknowledge the, how fascinating a study of faith is and how necessary it is of your, your faith, like what you're putting your trust in and, and also your struggles with faith. Okay, that is so key. And, um, and so I'm going to read you a couple of poems from one of my um, favorite. So there's a group of gypsy um, wandering uh, musician uh, bards that, um, that travel around India. And they're called the Balls. And um, this is from an anthology of poetry. And I love this one poet in there that uh, really speaks to me. And one of the things he says is, um, and this is speaking to both, the, 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 I love this because he singles out faith as a prize. It's like something very desirable that you want, but that's also very hard to come by. So he says, I plunged into the water like a fisherman, hoping to catch the fish of faith. So I plunged into the water like a fisherman, hoping to catch the fish of faith. And to me, this is what you do on your mat. You, getting on your mat is like plunging into the waters like a fisherman. And, and you are trying to catch the fish of faith. That's what you're doing every day. You're trying to trust in yourself and your method and what your method is leading to. So he says, and devotion, which was my fishing net, got torn to pieces. Oh, so devotion got torn to pieces when I dove in. I got on my mat. And this is what I'm saying. We counter so many struggles, so many um, things that are the opposite of proof, things that, that seem to contradict what we're trying to build faith in, right? So let me just read you that line. So he said, I plunged into the water like a fisherman, hoping to catch the fish of faith. Devotion, which was my fishing net, got torn to pieces. And I only gathered some useless shells, uh, jealousies and blames, churning the mud in vain. Yeah. See, it's, this is not an easy thing we're doing. Okay? And so when we get on that mat, so many times we're, we're, we, we, we dredge up jealousies and blames and uh, aggression and exactly the opposite of we want, churning the, in, the mud in vain. <laughs> and that's the end of that poem. And, and so to me, I, luckily there's a few poems by this same um, poet, and, and so I know that this was just one of his modes, right? This was just one day or, you know, a theme. It's not like the only thing. It's not like you, every time you fish, your, your net gets 
um, your devotion net gets torn up. But some days it does, and you've got to be able to roll with that. Okay, and so another poem by the same man, he goes, look for him in the temple of your limbs, and look for this um, invisible source. It's uh, her, the friend. Look for the friend. Look for the guest. Look for the self in the temple of your limbs. Exactly what you do when you do your asanas. So she is there as the Lord of the word, world, speaking, singing in enchanting tunes. And she's an expert in hide and seek. Hide and seek, right? That, so th that's what faith is. It's a venture. It's like you, it's, it's belief in something invisible. Things that you, conviction of things not seen. And there you are trying to see that, see the, the thread of your life, like the get to the pith and the, the, the kind of what is, what am I doing here on this planet? Who am I and what's the real thrust of my life? And, um, and, and it's hide and seek, hide and seek. Some you, you see, you get glimpses and then you get holes in your net and you dredge up useless shells. And, and then he says, uh, no one, no one can see him. She is the universe with no form of her own, right? She, 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 the friend is the universe itself with, but yet with no form. And, and that's speaking to the grand interconnectedness of all things, which everyone is a part, okay, of, we are part of. And so when we feel alienated, when we feel separated from it, then this is an affliction. Okay, this isn't the real state of things. And then then he, the poet switches over to talking about, to his heart. Do not try to catch the friend. Oh, my heart. Because it can never be caught. And, and here's the last line. You can only hope for her in whole faith. You can only hope for her in whole faith. And so the word shraddha, it, it has these words with it too that I will tell you. That it's, um, it's reverence, respect, it's loyalty, um, longing for, intimacy, uh, curiosity, to approve of or to assent to. So the, in this venture of faith, you have to build it. Okay, you, and so loyalty, like you have to be loyal a and listen to the definition of loyalty. It's a strong feeling of support um, or giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or institution. Okay, and so, so you're loyal to your practice. Loyal means you show up every day and through the challenging times, through the good times, right? And you build an allegiance to that. And, and then also the, you build an allegiance to the idea of a spiritual dimension to your life. And that is faith. Okay, the very making an allegiance itself is faith, whether it's successful or not. Right? And the longing for, I love that idea, that just the yearning to know or to connect or, is, is its own form of faith. It's not to connect. It's not to, be, to know for sure that there's 
this spiritual dimension. It's just to long for that, right? And, um, and intimacy, intimacy and curiosity, they, those two kind of go together, that just to wonder about it and to, to spend so much time, um, yeah, curiously inquiring in your practice, this is faith. Okay, and, and also, so I want to uh, bring this up to you, that it's funny, in the Christian sense, they, they have this word that you hear and that, that, that really actually turns me off, but it's got this truth to it. And, and in the, the Hindu way of putting it, um, resonates with me more, but it is, um, it potentially is pointing to the same thing. And in Christianity, they call it like God's plan for you, right? So, so when you come out of this womb, you're not a clean slate. Right? And you're not just orphaned. And there's a, a, a beautiful um, Kabir poem where he, he addresses that. He says, um, he says, I talk to my inner lover and I say, why such rush? We sense that there is some sort of spirit that, that loves the birds and animals and the ants. And perhaps the same one that gave radiance to you in your mother's womb. And then he says, is it logical that you would be walking around entirely orphaned now? See, and this is the crux of faith to me. It's, it's one of the hardest parts is to, to think that um, it's called dharma in the Hindu world. It's like you have, and James Hillman, he calls it uh, a calling. And he, uh, the, he calls it the innate image of the self and an uh, acorn theory. Like each person is, is born with the kind of blueprint, like the, the acorn within that little tiny uh, nut is the blueprint for the entire massive oak tree. Okay, and this is the true of, of us, that we're born not as a clean slate, but with uh, certain, uh, like uh, our whole equipment, our, uh, the bodies we've been given, these hands, these feet, uh, th this flexibility, this spinal column, um, these senses, these very eyes that perceive in this unique way, this mind that processes information in this way, and this, even this individual sense of I-ness, and my voice, everything was given to me, not randomly and not meaninglessly, but very um, purposefully, like that I, I have a dharma or some kind of um, calling, some kind of specific um, sacred work to, to do, some kind of contribution to make in the world. And this is where he's saying, is it logical that you would be walking around entirely orphaned now? No. And then the next line, he says, no, the truth is you turned away yourself and decided to go into the dark alone. You see, and this is what each of us does. And we, it's funny how faith is so elusive. And, and it's one of the reasons I love that poem. And the, the man being so in touch with himself where he goes, I dove in to catch the prize of faith and the, the net of devotion was torn to pieces. You see, because he says, so Kabir, he says, the truth is you turned away yourself and decided to go into the dark alone. And now you're tangled up in others and have forgotten what, what you once knew. And that is why everything you do has some weird failure in it. You see, and this is the thing, is we practice and we take these potentially very wholesome things like Surya Namaskara and standing poses and um, these uh, asana forms that 
uh, have the potential to be sacred and healing, and we sort of get our ego involved, and we get our fears and our, um, our um, aberrant desires, and we start pursuing the wrong goals, and, and we create these weird failures, uh, physically, mentally, to get in touch with that. And, to, and this is why I love that idea of curiosity and um, longing. It, it gives you this very active way of uh, building faith amidst your failures and your, uh, all the shortcomings that we bring to the table just by being the flawed human beings that we are. Woo, so beautiful. I just love that, love the, the themes. Okay, and then, and so to get on your mat, then, you've got to uh, kind of set up this prop proposition that, that you've, you're living a purposeful life of some kind, right? That somehow there's a, an image of self, some kind of vision of a, a li your life well lived, and, and this is something you build throughout your, your life, that things um, occur to you from within, listening, and the, you're not orphaned, that the, the, the greater self that you are, so, because we're all um, this entirety, so we're this little tiny represent, representation of the entirety, and we are the entirety itself, okay? And so we're... We're trying to see, we're this one little piece of the entirety trying to see the entirety. And so we, we kind of, we live out our purpose by acting, by our um, practicing with devotion and getting strong, getting um, control of our bodies and minds so that we can direct our choices into avenues of our choosing and, and then bear fruit. But at the same time, we practice to learn to listen, to become receptive, and to be directed in, by um, greater forces than ourselves that are, that are invisible, right? And this, these are both um, aspects of faith. Okay, and um, a couple of things, I'm gonna read you a couple more poems. And one, one is by this uh, very beautiful, um, uh, saintly man that lived in India, and his name was Swami Ramdas. And it's not the Ramdas of the West that you might be more familiar with. Um, this man lived in an ashram in um, eastern, the very eastern part of um, Karnataka, the state uh, where Mysore is. And I've been to his ashram before, and um, one of the things they do there is they chant the name of Ram um, t 24 hours a day. So they have these two shrines where people, uh, it actually isn't 24, they, it's, it's from like 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. They, they keep it going um, in a whole round, day, I mean, all the time. They're chanting the mantra. So I love this um, poem that this, this man wrote, and he was the founder of that, that ashram, and he wrote poems, and one he said is, I am the spark away from the fire. I am the drop strayed from the sea. I am the leaf estranged from the tree. Okay, so I'm the, I'm the spark that, that went away, that sprung away from the fire. 
I'm the, I'm the drop that strayed from the sea. I'm the leaf estranged from the tree. And then I, but I long for the fire. I stretch for the sea. I aim to rejoin the tree. So, and I come from the infinite, which is this entirety. It's part of the invisible, uh, unnameable spiritual dimension is, I come from the infinite. Infinite is my home. And I go back there. And I become the infinite. And so it's kind of the ultimate thing. And that's that Kabir poem of like, the t fact is we turn away ourselves. We branch off. We're the spark that branches off from the fire. But then we also work to return. And then another poem I want to share with you is from uh, Tulsi Das, who is a, another devotee of Ram. I just love this one. And so he's first he's talking to Ram himself. He's like kind of yell, speaking out to the, the heavens, talking to Ram, but he's talking to people too. And he goes, who aside from you, King Ram, is my true patron? Right? The, 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 the worthy of my desire, my highest aspiration. Who aside from you is my true patron? No one. Okay, so of all the possible things you could be devoted to, no one is my true patient but Ram. And then he goes, I've thought it out. And I will tell it to all, including you, Ram, my master. If anyone knows anyone more special than you, let him lay it on the line. <laughs> he comes out with it. Let him lay it on the line. See, and this is what I love about this poem. This man, he's ready to lay it on the line. He's thought it out, and he'll tell it to all, boldly. And then there's another poem by the same man that's very, uh, very telling. Okay, and, and it's like, to me, it's like uh, overcoming the odds of like how, how challenging it is to... to uh, accept the venture of faith and, um, and kind of overcome your limits to win through to this, um, to where you can boldly proclaim. I say almost starts complain. <laughs> that was a funny slip up. Huh? No, so boldly claim. I've thought it out. I'll tell it to all. Who's more special than this ultimate self? And um, so he goes, I would... So Tulsi Dasi says, I was born in a beggar family, and hearing the sounds of celebration, my mother and father felt anguish, felt pain, right? Because they were so poor, they didn't, couldn't even have celebrations, right? And from childhood on, poor thing that I was, I went weeping, begging from door to door. And to me, the four great goals of life, you know, just the basic stuff of, that we all pursue in life happiness and well-being and wealth and family and such. So to me, the four great goals of life were four little grains of food. So, so destitute, right? And then he said, and that is the Tulsi who has become the good servant of the worthy Lord. That is the Tulsi, that lowly beggar who was thinking about four grains of food. That is the Tulsi who became the good servant of that worthy Lord. And then it says, when fate 
the great astrologer hears how cheated it feels, right? That his, Tulsidas's fate was not to rise up and gain this great faith to the point where fate actually feels cheated. And then he writes, your name, O Ram, is it wise or is it mad? See, and that's the question. You can never quite figure it out. Is doing Surya Namaskara wise or is it mad? Is this what I go through in my mind every day to focus and breathe and the anguish? Is it wise or is it mad? And then the whole predicating my life on this spiritual dimension, is it wise or is it mad? And then he says, his conclusion is, it makes a weighty mountain from a tiny scrap of straw. A weighty mountain from a tiny scrap of straw. Okay, I'm almost done, but I want to give you a little bit more. Okay, and there, there's a poem from, I don't know who it's from, but I don't want it to stop me from reading it. I'm sorry. It might be Lala. Okay, and here's what it says. I love this. Okay, it says, she says, acquiring knowledge is like filling gold in a chest. And, and then, here it is. The service bargain is to follow the path. Okay, the service bargain. This is the bargain you make, is to follow the path. And here it is. The agreement is not so much to test the truth. I love that. Okay, so the agreement it's to follow the path. It's not so much, it, and you see, this is what we can get into this game. It's like, we, we, want, we want to test the truth. We want to make sure that these things are good for us, that the, that the God exists, and that I'm going to find out ultimately what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. And no, the agreement is not so much to test the truth, it's to follow the path. Okay, and I love this poem by Mira that uh, kind of, to me, backs it up. Okay, I'm going to end with this one. So Mira, Mira Bai, right? She was that lover of Krishna, a beautiful uh, poetess. And she goes, Mother, tell me, why should I go on living without him? Meaning Krishna, her God, the self, the, the guest, the friend. And my heart, and so why shall I go on um, living without him? When I lost him, I did go mad. And my heart resembled a door eaten out by insects. My heart resembled a door eaten out by insects. The doctors could do nothing for me. And some absence inside me is eating me away. That longing, you see, this is faith. This is its own faith right here. She's, she's telling it to us, right? And she goes, you know, you know, a fish thrown on the bank does not go on breathing. It flaps its tail up and down and dies, okay? And I go into the high trees and listen for the dark one's flute. I go into the high trees and listen. The dark one is Krishna and he plays the flute. I listen for his flute. And then he says, my dear husband and Lord, find Mira now, right? So the, the, the absence of answers, 
The absence of a connection is not a reason to doubt. It's its own form of uh, devotion if you follow the path. All right, so I have a few last little points to, to, to wrap this up. And so it's the, this idea that, that uh, faith is a prize, right? That you're trying to catch it uh, through, through your, your longing, through your curiosity, through your uh, loyalty, your allegiance to your practice. And, and so it's funny f for me how I can think that I'm, I have a strong faith, but, but then like my kind of devotion to practice can start to slip without my even noticing it. But this, and that's a reflection of this doubt or this lack of faith that I'm having. Okay. And, um, and so I have a couple of poems that I, I want to read to you that, um, that I hope can kind of tie this in and, and, and I get at the, the, the challenge of, this, of winning the prize of faith. Okay, and so one comes from this uh, epic um, Islam poem, a Sufi kind of thing. It's called The Canticle of the Birds that I've recently come into contact with. And, it, and so here's a little poem or story. And um, so what, someone asked a Sufi, it's like a yogi, a sadhu, uh, one who devotes their self to a spiritual practice, um, how he spent his time. And he said, I, I'm thirsty, uh, filthy, I'm smeared with grime. Filthy, uh, thirsty, filthy, smeared with grime, burned in the stove men call the world. But I shall keep my courage up until I die. And, and then he says, and if it's in this world you seek for happiness, you are asleep and your search is meaningless. And this was what happens to us, right? We, we put our faith or our ideas about how to be happy out there in this outer world rather than uh, going in and really experiencing this uh, hidden dimension. So he says, if, if it's in this world you seek for happiness, you are asleep and your search is meaningless. Because if you seek happiness, you would do to you would do well to think of the thin bridge arched over hell. Okay, and so that's this idea. It's a narrow, tiny bridge that uh, kind of wins you to peace or happiness. It's not a wide road. It's like you have to be very uh, devoted and persistent and um, stay with it. And then it says, um, the world's apparent joy. So all these pleasures that we we see out there that we get attracted to, compared with what we seek, the inner thing that we seek, it cannot compare, right? The world's apparent joy cannot compare with what we seek inside. And um, so, and what's here in this world isn't worth a hair. And then it says, here the self rages like an unquenched fire and nothing satisfies the heart's desire. And, um, encompass all of the earth and you will not find one happy heart or one contented mind. Okay, so throughout the whole world, everybody's struggling. Everyone has, has some discontent in their heart, some uh, 
some challenge mentally, right? Everybody, we're all here struggling. And, um, and so that's why we get on the mat and try to win the prize of faith. And uh, then lastly, a woman who, uh, another story where a woman who wished to pray for happiness. And so it says, an old woman talked to uh, a sage and she said, teach me how to pray for joy for pity, for pity's sake. I've suffered so much that I cannot bear to think of future grief. Give me some prayer to murmur every day. And so this sage replied, how many years I've wandered far and wide until I found the fortress that you seek. And it is the knee. Bend it. Accept. Be meek. I found no other way. And this remedy and only this will cure your misery. Okay, and this is that idea that like... Um, does it make sense that you'd be totally orphaned now? Like that, right? That there's an acceptance of what our lot, our, all of our individual circumstances that we are so discontented with and we can rail against. Like there's a certain bending the knee, accepting that uh, cures the misery. Okay, and then last though, is that that dis, dis, like search the world over and you'll not find one contented heart or mind. And, um, and so here's this Hafiz poem. It's amazing. And it, it, it says, he says, the difference between a good artist and a great artist. You see, in this, I consider yoga to be an art. Okay, that when you practice, you're, you're an artist. Okay, and the difference between a good one and a great one is this. The novice will often lay down his tool or brush and then pick up an invisible club on the mind's table, an invisible club, and helplessly smash the easels and the jade. Right? So the, and we can do that in our practice, kind of smash it up and um, be reckless or negligent or um, kind of impatient and um, impetuous. And... Um, and, and so turn our kind of discontent on the very thing that could be bringing the, uh, the solace and the peace. And so here, but that, so that's what the novice does. And here, whereas the vintage man or woman, the vintage man or woman, the soulful man or woman no longer hurts him or herself or anyone and keeps on sculpting light. See, so this is the trick, is to, to get on, to have your practice and, and try your darndest to win the prize of faith and then transform your kind of mistaken tries that come from, from the suffering heart and mind into sculpting light. Okay, so I leave you with just the idea that, to me, faith is the key to having a strong practice, and that is a struggle, okay? And, for, and I'm speaking personally, that I, it's something I have to actually remind myself of, that it's so hard how um, tricky it is to, to actually square on, wow, I'm doubting, I'm, I'm having trouble here, and, and then um, 
and then finding a way to uh, kind of turn my perspective so that I don't make uh, weird failures, that I, 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 I'm able to um, redirect my energies and, and listen better and feel uh, my own person more, uh, more plainly and more openly, more honestly, and, and then trust that um, wholesome, soulful, loving ways will, uh, will emerge from me. You see, and this is what, um, what I wish for you and what I have found um, keeps happening for me in my practice. And it's the kind of sincerity and the, the willingness to, to roll with the ups and downs that, that guarantees that. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this month's podcast, and I remind you about my practical practice talks, a series of talks coming March 7th to May 9th, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can attend it live or watch the recording afterwards on your own time. And it's like the title says, trying to help you with the practicalities, like um, what to do with what when you're in pain. And I, I, I will give you the a kind of list of strategies and um, how to breathe better and um, things like this. And um, you'll be able to write me during the week with your own um, questions pertaining to the particular talk. And I will try to incorporate what you um, are wondering about into my, my talk so that you can get the best hookup in terms of like, get some really practical stuff for, to help you um, get on your mat and then um, be skillful on your mat. Okay, so namaste, be well.